Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. What is up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. Today, we've got Clifford Almeida on our program. Clifford is a graduate of our bootcamp program. A long time ago, graduate of our bootcamp program. We graduated back in 2015. And today's conversation is really going to be about the mindset and business changes that he made that significantly changed uh, his life and his business for himself, his team, and those around him. Uh, his business is called Hire a Wiz, and he's a Phoenix, Arizona based digital agency and web development company that has helped hundreds of clients since 2011 when he founded the company. He's worked with tons of small businesses, national nonprofits, government agencies, and even a few Fortune 500 companies. So we're really excited to welcome Clifford Almeida to our program. Welcome to the program, Cliff. Thanks, Brent. It's an honor to be here. Been listening to the show since it started in early Jan, I believe. Yeah, it's been. Uh, we we've been running this program for uh, a very short amount of time in the uh, the history of podcasting, but we're pretty happy with the program. So thanks for that, uh, Cliff. Tell us why you got into this business in the first place. So, Brent, my story began about 15, 20 years ago, probably like most of our audience and guest speakers, where we got introduced to websites, and that's how it changed my life. My parents decided to move us to the U.S. from an island called Papua New Guinea in the Pacific to pursue the American dream for their children. So when I got here, my biggest challenge was staying connected with my friends. I couldn't just pick up the phone and speak to them because it, it cost anywhere between a dollar to $2 a minute. And whenever you did speak to someone, the clarity was horrible. So um, I got introduced to technology around 15 when I built a website, very similar to Facebook, actually, where our friends and community could post pictures, you know, post comments about those pictures and chat with each other in an affordable manner. Um, you know, obviously, I wish I thought about Facebook like Mark Zuckerberg, but I think in our... <laughs> In our industry, oftentimes, I think we overlook the value of what we're doing because we're so focused on the work and look past it to the possibilities it can do, right? And so that passion project led to me having a passion for development and then the idea spawned into you know, following web development as a profession. Obviously, a lot of people that choose to go into web development as a profession don't necessarily choose to start their own business. Obviously, the uh, uh, being an entrepreneur and having your own agency brings with it some some stress, some opportunity. Why, why did you choose to uh, go that path versus just getting a job for a big development shop or a big startup or a big software company like Facebook or something like that? Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, um, I graduated in 2001 with a degree in computer information systems. That that wasn't a focus only on development. I had a good understanding of development, database development, um, design, et cetera. I actually got a job at the governor's office um, in 2002 where I work, worked as the web developer and then later became the deputy chief information officer. I started my business on the side in 2001. 
So ultimately, um, at my job at the governor's office, we were able to establish new rules for modernizing government, work with large companies like IBM on multi-million dollar web projects that impacted millions of people. So I was able to take that knowledge and continue to build my part-time career up. My entrepreneurial life kept appealing to me more and more as I started making more and more, more and more money on the side, right? So in 2008, I decided to go all in, set up an agency, get a few full-time employees and see what life looked like there. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, there were tons of challenges and struggles, and I'd, I'd be happy to, sh- to share that and where, where the journey went on from 2008. Yeah, and I don't know if you can remember back to when you decided to go full-time, but uh, I, I always feel like we talk to a lot of people, solopreneurs uh, or people that maybe even have a side agency uh, where they are really scared of making that jump from the side thing, the side hustle or whatever to this is now full time. Can you remember back to to some of your mindset or some of the thoughts that were going through your head in that moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I reflect on this all the time because, the, you know, making that change changed my life, making that decision changed my life. And so um, big, big roadblocks for me at that time were my family, you know, at, at the age of in my early 20s, I was a deputy chief information officer for the governor's office. They were like, hey, why leave a great stable job, great benefits? Um, you know, other roadblocks were you know, what happens if I do this full time and things fall apart, right? Like industries change, the dot-com bubble had gone, we'd been through that already. And um, ultimately, I just said, hey, you know, um, I love what I do. This is my passion. One of the challenges with working with government is even though you may know best practices, you oftentimes can't incorporate them just because of how large the organizations are. And I oftentimes see this with large clients we work with now as well, right? They just can't um, have bleeding edge technology and everything that they do because that impact um, impacts millions or hundreds of thousands or at least thousands of people. And so um, after a lot of deliberation, I just said, hey, you know, I'll take the leap of faith. Um, My biggest hurdle was income. And at the time of me leaving, I was pretty much making what I made at my regular job, working part time. Was there any specific family members or pressure that you had to overcome to make that? Was it a was it a conversation? Was it a series of conversations? Was it just leave me alone and let me make this uh, decision? I mean, I, I know how I've approached some of these things in the past and maybe I haven't gotten everybody on board with my vision in the way that I need to, but I just kind of go for it. Uh, do you remember any specific conversations and kind of how those went? Yeah, the, the biggest ones were probably with my parents. Um, you know, we, we, we're of Indian heritage. And so entrepreneurial spirit, for the most part, is not usually um, encouraged. More, it, you're more encouraged to become a doctor or an engineer. And, um, and my status and my job meant a lot to them, as well as security, because I lived here in Arizona without any immediate family. And so my parents um, were averse to me taking that risk. And it took about a year for me to convince them. And I mean, now, now they love what I do. I had a, you know, I had a girlfriend then. Um, she, was, she was for the most part encouraging of my decisions as she became my wife. And, you know, the entrepreneurial journey continued on. You know, some of the other struggles became very real. And, and her decision and input was um, really impact, impacting at 
you know, around 2015 after I'd been in this game for about five or six years. Well, at least she went from girlfriend to wife through this journey and didn't yes. go from girlfriend to ex-girlfriend. So that's, that's right. I mean, something was good. So I find that really interesting with your parents of having to convince them because one of the things you said earlier in today's program was they took a huge risk in coming over here uh, to live the American dream. And did that come up in your conversation with them about what their roots were and maybe some of the uh, maybe unexpected ideology of what they imprinted on you at a very young age of, of for them making that huge risk and transporting their, their family to a completely different country? Definitely. And, you know, that brings up a great point. It's it's like a catch twenty two. They wanted us to succeed, but then when they when they processed the risk, they were worried about it, right? So my brother went on to be an entrepreneur. He just uh, crashed and burned, crashed and burned till he became successful. I was the son that you know was the straight A's, worked uh, tremendously hard in my job and school um, to succeed, and they want you know they felt like that was my character, and so. Um, through all of it, you know, they always were supportive with my decisions, but they always looked at the cons versus the pros of me starting up my own business. Both my parents had jobs for most of their life till they moved to the U.S., where they both started their own businesses. And so they, I think, probably reflected what their biggest challenges were moving from a different country, learning a new culture, you know, work-life balance, things like that. And so... I think those were the biggest factors there. Once they saw that I took the leap of faith and believed in myself, they believed more in me um, through some of the other struggles. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's been happily ever after today, but there have been tons of struggles along the way. And they've nurtured that after I made the decision and had their support. Uh, you said 2015 maybe was a year that jumped out in, in our conversation. I know that you, um, I can't remember, was that when you joined boot camp? I mean, you're, you're a graduate now, but, yes. um, was that, was it two years ago? Was that long? It ago? was, it's, it's <laughs> been two years. I can't believe it. Right. Yeah. 2015 was the year of struggles. You know, um, Brent, when I came in, I, I kind of spoke to you and John for us along the way, we we'd built up some pretty big um, clients. We worked for, we had worked for the U S department of justice, the national PTA cops, Cox communications, general dynamics. You know, these companies are um, world renowned, if not, you know, well-established names here in the U S we'd actually worked with other fortune 500 companies that I can't disclose because of, of NDAs, but the struggle had become real at that time in 2015. For me, it had not been just signing big, clients are working on larger projects. But for me, it had become working 65 hours a week and that becoming a norm. Um, challenges with work-life balance, not having efficiencies in um, our process of qualifying clients, you know, building up proposals, and really not even understanding how to leverage my, you know, at that point, 10 plus years of experience in the field. That's when I actually stumbled across you gurus through a post, uh, through a post on Facebook. And then got onto one of your webinars, connected with John, and the rest is history. So, why does working sixty-five hours a week have an impact on work-life balance? Why? Why was that not working for you? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't working for me for obvious reasons. You know, I had two kids. One was, I think, around two, and the other one was three and a half. And um, ultimately, I was working, and so then I'd say, "Hey, I'm going to go spend time with my kids," and I was there physically. 
but not mentally, right? My mind was still racing on client projects. Um, you know, I'm checking my phone to see, you know, who's calling us or who's messaging us about problems. My wife, I didn't have, you know, the, the time that she needed for me to continue to be there as a husband and help around the house and help with, you know, just the stuff that you have to deal with in relationships. So time was the biggest challenge then for us as a family. And it also impacted my personal life with my faith and things that I did in the community. I think a lot of people can relate with that of maybe you even feel like you're working 40-ish hours a week, but you kind of are still on when you're not even in front of your computer. And cell phones now, I think with the power of mobile technology have made it almost to where you can have a complete workstation in your pocket. I mean, you can do so many things now from the comfort of your phone and you might be in a non-work situation with your kids or with your spouse and you're working on your your phone and you're continuing to communicate with clients and it's kind of bleeding into some of your your personal life. So so you're working 65 hours a week, you're mentally not present with those that you want to be present with and it's also impacting, you said, faith and community. So some of these other areas of passion and purpose in your life. So here comes Brent Weaver on a webinar and says, hey, you shouldn't do that. You should do some other things. And you say, okay, and decide to join uh, join up with our program. You know, without, uh, you know, I'm not trying to create an advertisement here for bootcamp, but what, what about that experience started to change this situation for you? And what does that look like now? Definitely. So, you know, going into bootcamp, Facebook and marketing has changed. Obviously now everybody and their grandmother offers um, solutions to my agency's problems. And back in 2015, I was a little risk averse, but I said, you know, hey, let me just go ahead and get in on this. And um, John Hinshaw, who was the guest speaker during that time, actually gave me some of his personal time to speak to me about my challenges. And um, we shared the same faith. And so he was able to um, talk to me about what had uh, happened in his life and how he can use this program and the educational material to help me with my struggles. So coming out of um, the program, you know, the, some of the big takeaways for me were just, you know, a great community, a one of a kind community with some amazing friendships. The journey um, that I was traveling on, everyone knows as an entrepreneur, I'm sure everyone listening out there can easily relate to the fact that they know the struggle is real and the journey is tough, right? So coming through boot camp. And building a community there allowed me to have several other people travel alongside me with different strengths and perspectives to make that journey so much more enriching. One of the neat things that came out of that, um, Brent, and you've never heard this before, is that we actually generated nearly $100,000 in revenue since 2015 through that community alone. And the biggest, most life-changing factor for me was a mentorship that started, a mentorship and friendship that started with my mentor, John Hinshaw, that still continues today. Wow. So so just, I mean, not even counting what type of impact or revenue or growth ex- you experienced in using our methodologies outside of the community or in other client work, you're talking about just direct revenue from other members of the community either working together on projects or them bringing you projects or some kind of work that you're you're delivering to them? 
Exactly. Definitely. I just in the last month I did, we've closed a 10 K project for a fellow 10 K who was in our group, who was in my group, group 16. And, <laughs> and I just want to put it out there. We're on group 87 or something like that. So, <laughs> so you're like flashing some, some, some old school numbers here. Yeah. And, and then another, and, and we just uh, finished a project yesterday for another um, fellow 10 care. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's been amazing. You know, the funny part is I talk about 20, 20 or $30,000 projects. We do, you know, three, four, $5,000 projects. The, the interesting thing that I learned was, you know, not not so much just how to value yourself and do value based pricing, but the commodity game. So even when we were doing twenty or thirty thousand dollar projects, which we still do, um, we really should have been doing them for fifty or a hundred thousand, and that's what we charge now, right? And when we do smaller projects, it's not so much about can that client pay me ten thousand or twenty thousand, but oftentimes we can do a project in two or three days and still provide tremendous value and generate three or four thousand dollars. And you know, those are the types of mindset changes that help me. And then obviously, time. You know, we were able to build amazing processes. The biggest one was discovery, where I was able to literally save probably anywhere from four to eight hours every single week now because of the way we prospect potential customers and qualify them better, right? Eliminating the tire kickers has saved me so much time in unnecessary calls, meetings, and writing proposals where they're not even really interested. There's price shopping. Are you still working 65 hours a week or are you, um, you know, what does that look like now? I changed it to under 40 hours um, within a year of getting out of boot camp and um, just changing my mindset about the value I bring to the company and my clients and how how best I can pour in based off of the time. Um, obviously, the efficiencies we've built in as a team has tremendously helped with that, right? We get a lot more stuff done with a lot less time, but um, I'm currently working anywhere from 30 to 40 hours, Brent. The the 30 to 40 hour range, I use about 10 hours every um, week to either um, work on personal or business development. So 30 hour work week to run the business and more of it on working on the business than running it. Wow. I feel like that's gonna just has to compound over time of spending that you know, sometimes that 10 hours a week might not give you that ROI like next week. And sometimes it's hard for people that are just starting out at early stage to think about giving up 10 hours to work on their business every single week. But I imagine that over time that turns into a considerable force for your business. It's been, it's been tremendous. I mean, some of the results are, you know, about 20, 30% year to year growth, uh, our our recurring revenue, which initially started through 10K as well, uh, you know, has gone up about five or six times now since 2015, which is great. Our goal is, you know, to um, hopefully double it over the next year. And um, because I get time to focus on things that matter, not just for our clients, but on my business, um, it incrementally has compounded in a tremendous way. How does your wife feel about all this? She loves it. She loves it. So um, we, you know, we do random date nights. I can do daddy um, daughter date nights um, all the time. I can take vacations without worrying about stuff. You know, Mother's Day is coming up this Sunday. So we're taking Friday off. I usually use that for personal development um, or um, 
you know, professional development of the business or startup ideas we have. And so this week, I just have to uh, say, hey, you know, babe, take the day off and you know, we're taking a three-day weekend at a resort and we don't have to worry first off about the money, but for me, most importantly about the time and what that means because of the processes we have in place now. So you mentioned something earlier about, you know, doing projects for a few thousand dollars, but spending a lot less time on them. One of the things that we teach people in program is this, this sentence, high value work for high value pay. And a lot of people ask me, well, maybe I don't want to sell $10,000 projects, or maybe I don't want to sell these big 30 or 40 or $50,000 projects, which, which could be big, or they could just could be uh, insanely valuable depending on how, how talented you are as a strategist and executor. But um, let's assume that you want a, you know, you still want to service those clients at $45,000. How did what we taught you impact your approach to those types of projects kind of end to end with how you qualified those clients, how you sold them, and then the type of work that you're delivering at that tier? Great question. All right. I would say starting out with discovery, asking the right questions to identify the prospect's priorities, right? So um, let's say someone came to us with $5,000. We can't sell them a bill of goods to redesign their website, help them with their search engine optimization and social media marketing. So uh, we identify what ultimately will help move the needle in their business first. So if that means um, building up a three to five page website with effective strategy, then that's what we'll build them. If that means um, building some conversion-based optimization into the existing site and then optimizing for SEO, we'll do that. And then we will put them into a reoccurring um, retainer to support other needs. And we found out that most clients um, that fall into that type of category are happy paying, you know, $10,000, $15,000 over a year as long as they can start at entry level, they're comfortable with and then they can start seeing some results. So oftentimes, because we do search engine optimization, conversion-based um, web design, we can look and then identify what are the biggest pain points and what changes we can do with a limited number of hours to deliver value so they can ascertain that value and then um, continue on to see value through reoccurring services through buckets of hours over um you know, a period of time, usually six to 12 months. Mm. So even, you know, instead of trying to give somebody this huge, you know, website project up front for three or four or 5,000 bucks, where it's, you know, this full blown 10 or $20,000 site that you're not making any money on because you're over promising way too much. You guys are kind of custom tailoring a smaller implementation that takes you less time and then focusing on retainer based services or marketing based services that can kind of help them build a little bit more momentum with their website and maybe get them investing more in their site over time versus all up front if they can't afford it. Definitely. And one of our, you know, one of our best success stories of that, Brent, was we worked in 2011, 2012 on a small website redesign um, for a company. They spent about $3,500. We went through bootcamp, came out, proposed to them, uh, you know, a value-based um, solution with all the knowledge we took from bootcamp and we sold them on a $12,000 package. And um, I, about a year later, they started doing incremental uh, search engine marketing. Right now, they're, they're uh, probably about a $35,000 a year client now, started out with a $3,500 website. And that's because we incrementally took them through stages. We brought them value with what we've learned. And we put that in, uh, 
in a measurable manner, bringing ROI into every step of what we deliver to them. Hopefully, for those that are listening in, you're taking some notes on what Cliff is talking about. He's definitely dropping some of uh, the voodoo that we teach people in our program. And uh, if if that's stuff that you guys can apply right now to your business or how you're selling projects or positioning yourself with your clients, I definitely encourage you to do that. I still talk to so many people who think that you know, people don't pay more than 10K for a website or don't pay more than 5K or shouldn't. I was just seeing one of our ads the other day. They were like, somebody said like, who pays more than $10,000 for a website? And I think what you're saying is you have to, I mean, a couple of things. One is you have to have a longer term view with your client. And the other is that you need to be delivering high value work, work that actually appeals to the client. It's less about how many pages the website is or, or, or whatever. It's more about what are they trying to achieve with their site and let's build the minimum amount of work that's that's required to help them start to achieve those goals and then kind of stair step up with the client over time, which I think a lot of people miss. They think, oh, I'm going to design this website for a client and then that's it. Like I will then go find the next new client. And, and it sounds like you've been able to generate a lot of recurring revenue by taking a much more long tail approach with your clients, which is pretty cool. Definitely. And, you know, Brent, um, it, it, it all starts with who the client is, right? I think one of the things that I saw in one of your Facebook um, ads was the fact that you have to identify who your ideal audience is and what their budgets are to start with, right? Uh, a $500,000 small business isn't going to give you $50,000 for a website. So to give you an example, we just closed, uh, we just closed and launched in the last two months a website for a $65 million company. It was a $30,000 WordPress website, right? Um, it was heavily based off of the value we brought versus the work that was done. Then, you know, we'll talk to a, a practitioner here that works on mental health um, wellness and their budget is, you know, $8,000. And so we start with a smaller site and then we put them into a reoccurring retainer for marketing and they have different goals. And it's important for us to understand that, right? The biggest thing for us is qualify the customer to make sure that they are a good fit for your for your business, culture, model, whatever that may be, right? Don't look so much at just the dollar amount because oftentimes, you know, we've we've been able to generate $1,500 in a couple of hours because of the value we brought. Now, I would generally say I wouldn't work on a client's project that they say, hey, we have a budget of $1,500, right? Just because by the time you qualify them and you get to their scope of work, it's not worth it. But Figure out first if the client matches, you know, your business criteria and then go from there. Don't let, you know, the dollar amount be the primary qualifier all the time. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think we get comments all the time where... Uh, and you know, obviously, it's it's called the 10K bootcamp where we, we try to help people sell $10,000 projects. But we get comments all the time where people get really hung up on that piece of it. I think one of the major tenets of, of our philosophy is high value work for high value pay. What we find is that people are probably already delivering $10,000 projects. They're just doing it for three or $4,000. And we have to break that mindset of going, you know, stop delivering massive website projects that are taking you months for a couple thousand dollars and, and shift more into that value mindset mindset that Cliff's talking about, where maybe you're doing a, a consulting day for $1,500. You're not actually building them a full full feature web presence, which is really a, a dead-end job, job or project um, if you're talking about a multi-week or multi-month engagement. 
Definitely. And you know what, one of the things for me, Brent, that I did realize in the last few years was that I had to figure out purpose and passion in my job, right? So oftentimes we're told, hey, build a plan or a blueprint, set up some goals. Plans and goals are a great start, but over time, plans and and goals change, especially in your seasons of life. For me, going from a single person to being married to having two children, my plans and my goals as a business owner changed, right? As an entrepreneur changed. And because of the lessons that I learned along the way, I realized that developing a purpose and vision that is greater than me and then mapping out what I need to do to get there and my team to get there was critical. So for us, it was identifying how to work and passionately work with technology to transform lives that started with our family, you know, growing businesses so they can do better and impacting others through education, international aid, and, you know, building micro grants and stuff like that. So every time I get a project or a potential project, I, I make sure to see if it aligns up with our passion and purpose. And then we proceed from there. And not all of them are going to do that, but we, you know, if we start realizing we're doing more work for money than our passion and purpose, that's when we stop. And to people listening out there, they might be like, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not able to do that. I got bills to pay, right? But the reality is if you truly do what you do well and you do it with passion and purpose, you're bound to succeed. It may take you um, a little bit of time, a lot of hurdles, but the sooner you can do that, I believe, the sooner you can be more successful in what you do. I'm trying to remember back when I... Uh we started donating pro bono work as an agency. And we, we did this at a time when it kind of hurt the most. We, we really didn't have a lot of uh, great cash flow situation going on. I think it was back in 2006-ish that uh, we decided to start donating some some work back to the community. And in that mindset of finding projects or organizations that we were passionate about and could give back to uh, really became a core ethos in our business. And it helped keep us motivated, but it actually also helped us grow our business, which is pretty cool. I think you you find, uh, if you are working in that space of passion and purpose, you find the opportunity um, much easier or differently. I'm not really sure how to how succinctly say that, but it sounds like you're kind of on that path of if you're working in a space where you're really passionate about the clients you're doing or the type of work or the, the, the outcome of the work, then that can have huge impact on your motivation around your business and even just the direct results, the direct ROI from you know, having that additional motivation and passion for projects versus just doing the kind of the stuff for money type work where you're like, well, <laughs> I don't like this client. They're really not that nice to me, but it's money, right? I mean, that's, that's like very life-sucking, draining work. Definitely. And we've all been there, right? You kind of, you, you, you either live and learn or you live and keep doing till you learn, I believe, you know, and um, sooner or later you realize that that type of work not only drains the passion out of what you do, but then it impacts how you treat the client. And at the end of the day, that's, they're paying you, right? So if you don't feel like you're doing that, you should honor them and be able to communicate that to them because that seeps into uh, your business and then into your personal life and then into a whole bunch of other things that you'd never want or think could be impacted by that. I love your story, Cliff. It's, uh, it's very inspiring and um, I'm just so proud of what you've been able to create for yourself, your family, uh, and, and your clients and, and those other members of our community. So uh, congrats on, on the success that you've had. Uh, are you ready for, for lightning round? Yes, sir. All right. I hope you're ready. 
This is these are big questions. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received? That's a good one. Um, I think that would be to keep asking myself what I need to do or change in my life to get to where I want to be in my life. That's good. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I would say um, just post boot camp, I started taking, I think John did, did this. And so as a mentor, I followed his lead there. And um, it was setting aside Fridays for personal and business development. Mm, that's great. Uh, quick question on that. When you say set aside Fridays, does that mean that you, you block it out on your calendar? Do you unplug your phone? What do you do to, to hold that time sacred? Yeah, great, great um, question. I block it out on my calendar. I do leave exceptions based on, you know, what, what the circumstances, but I block out my calendar so no one can schedule a meeting. Um, I, you know, my team knows um, not to um, reach out to me and my clients know um, not to connect with me for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I say for the most part because every now and then there are a few people that you talk to them and and they still send stuff in. The good news is where we are in our business now, we have a help desk system. So 95% of all communication goes through there. So I don't get interrupted through emails, at least in calls. That's great. Can you share an internet resource or tool that you use that our listeners might find valuable? Um, I would probably say Audible is what, you know, as far as the software goes, I'm, I'm big on reading, but I love to listen when I'm on the road or walking my dog, et cetera. And so um, I think Audible is a great um, resource. I highly recommend if you don't read or you don't like to read, um, to utilize Audible. Great. And uh, speaking of books, what book would you recommend and why? All right. Um, so Brent, like I said, I'm an avid listener of your show. And so I've heard people, I believe, mention essentialism. So that's like my number one book because it helped me identify literally um, what to say yes to and most importantly, what to say no to, right? In my business and personal life, Traction by Gina Wickman. I think that's another book that you guys recommend as well, but that really helped us with our processes. And, and I would say uh, the one that no one's mentioned so far is the art, artisan soul, crafting your life into a work of art. Um, ultimately, the author just talks about how we're created to be intelligent beings and how we can build art into what we do and, and to be passionate about what we do. And that's been a life-changing book for me, especially over the last year as I look to do more passionate work versus um, just doing work for money. Even good work for money. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. That's a new one on the uh, podcast listener reading list. So, so thank you for bringing a, a new one to the table and uh, reinforcing a couple of uh, uh, other ones that folks, uh, even myself, have uh, referenced. And uh, I'm sure there's that listener who's listened to like the last 15 episodes and like, okay, I've heard traction now. Like, okay, every episode somebody mentions it, I'm going to go read it. So, uh, but Artisan Soul, that's great. I'm going to have to add that to my reading list. Thanks for those, Cliff. And Brett, you know, um, I want to personally just say thank you to you. Um, I've, I've credited this on my external blogs and to other people all the time. You know, your program is the real deal. This is, uh, you know, a plug-in because it matters. You know, I was uh, a kid born in India, came to the U.S. legally blind. I am now living the American dream, right? I've worked on projects that have impacted millions of people. I have an amazing family, a beautiful wife, two great daughters, awesome parents who believed in me. And, you know, I've created a successful agency that went through a lot of 
trials, tribulations to get to where we are, but you know, we've generated millions of dollars over time and, and your program has been a big, a big pivotal part of it. I mean, in 2015, when we were leaving, I mean, when, when I was considering leaving the industry and just going back to regular nine to five, because it was so overwhelming, um, that program changed my life and it changed our revenue and, and our team and what our clients got, you know? And so um, for those that are out there that want to reach out to me, I've done this before and I'm more than happy to speak to them about personal um, stories, hardships, provide resources, anything we can do um, to move this forward. Our industry faces so many challenges, especially when people are uneducated about how they can do it better, right? One of the big things for me was just understanding that um, successful people invest time, energy, and money into improving themselves and their careers. And that's something I regretfully did not do till 2015. I did it, thank God, and it's changed my life. And your podcast has been a great resource. Um, the program, life-changing. Well, I appreciate that. I hope you, uh, and, I, and I do, I mean, our whole team, you know, listens to this and, I think hearing about just hearing that kind of praise uh, unsolicited is is pretty impressive. And I, I also want to encourage you to, uh, you know, if you haven't already, tell your parents that you're, you know, they helped you live the American dream, not just for themselves, but for you as well. I think that uh, that message, if they haven't heard it uh, yet enough uh, to really validate them taking that risk. I think sometimes people take risks and, achieve what they were setting out to achieve, but maybe don't reflect often enough at how far they've come over a, a long period of time, like a couple of decades or something like that, um, of, you know, really connecting the dots of this happened because of that risk that we took way back when, and just hearing you talk about the American dream kind of gets me a little bit, uh, warm and fuzzy, just hearing about somebody that literally like the textbook, uh, story of the American dream of seeing that happen now with a, a second generation um, with the family, I think is is pretty awesome. And the fact that we were able to play a part in that story uh, means a whole lot to our team and everybody here. And I think you've learned some valuable lessons. And I just I just even want to like repeat what you just said about investing in yourself. That whether that's with us or other programs, that it's so important that when I was at my lowest point as an entrepreneur, uh, I think. I did not invest enough in myself. I looked at, I think the first program I joined or the first course I bought, it was a couple thousand dollars and I was just like, this is insane. This is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing and I can't believe I'm spending this much. And it was like, I just, I've never looked back after that first experience. And it's been, you know, I see things that I'm interested in and I, you know, investing in yourself is so much better and more beneficial. Even if every once in a while there's a bad Apple or bad experience or something like that, like you're always going to at least break even if not become way more um, apt to continue to invest in yourself. I feel like the ROI in investing in yourself is 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 so much higher than any, you know, publicly traded stock type investment. Um, so it's really cool to hear that uh, being one of your big life lessons that you took away from from the experience with us. That's really cool, Cliff. Definitely. Thanks, Brent. Where can folks uh, find out more about you and your business and your agency and anything else that you might have for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, www.hireawiz.com. That's H-I-R-E-A-W-I-Z.com is our website. You can reach out to us from there. Um, Cliff at hireawiz.com is my um, personal direct email. You can find me on Facebook at Clifford Almeida. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Clifford Almeida. 
Well, Cliff, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Digital Agency Show. I wish you and your business all the best. And uh, yeah, we, I can't wait to hear about how your story progresses and, and what else uh, is coming up with your business and success and your family and all that stuff. So thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Brent. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. All right, guys. Take care. Uh, can't wait to see you in the next episode. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. <laughs>